0: I don't believe that all men want to oppress women. I fundamentally disagree with that. But I often believe that men don't see the way in which the systems are benefiting them. So I think um, allying with men is critical, that women's issues shouldn't just fall on the back of women, that men are really in a position to shift the climate and could help women, and and white folks could help people of color. I mean, this should not only fall on
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co host, Joyce Joya.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to Geek Skeezers Googleization and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Hello, Joyce. How are you doing this week?
1: Doing great, Ira. Just great. Thank you for asking.
2: Uh, we've got a great show. This is uh, the, actually the fifth show we're doing this month. Uh, it's a long month in uh, March. Uh, and we've got it's been uh, Women's History Month. And as we plan some of the uh, scenarios, uh, some of the weeks it turned out to be we had a strong focus on on women in the workplace. I know you just had your uh, Herman Trent alert came out today.
1: Yes, uh, and so, I talked
2: about women uh, here. Absolutely, women returning, uh, re-entering the workforce, vital to right. recovery, which is absolutely true. And we've got a fascinating uh, guest on today. We have got uh, Dr. Kate Richmond. She is a, a director of gender studies, uh, women and gender studies at Muhlenberg. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet her uh, last semester. I was doing my adjunct role in the leadership program there. Uh, there was a panel and it was really about diversity and inclusion. And uh, she was one of the presenters on it. And she was talking about the role of masculinity, not not necessarily just men and, and, and women, not just that difference, but the role, you know, the impact that masculinity has. Uh, and what I thought was fascinating was e- even on diversity and race of, of how, men and women are treated differently because of those different roles and the psychology of that so uh that was that was absolutely fascinating uh and we have a second guest i will follow up thomas michael hoag a new book uh we're going to be talking about Profitable growth strategies, but more importantly, um, he talks about the seven proven best practices uh, he gleaned from uh, working with German companies, uh, and how and in many areas they, uh, you know, they used to be yeah. Japan that's at the standard. They're way
1: ahead, and, and so, in some ways, they're way ahead of where we are. Yeah, yeah
2: no, ab- absolutely. So we've got a great show. You know, what I found, um, and I know we've had a lot of good discussions, and and through our weeks, I'm sure you, you you're in these discussions. It, as soon as you become aware of a topic, you know, you sort of go down, it was it was almost like in my healthcare days and when I was in in, in uh, my pre-med days and, and dental school days, you know, every time they brought up a disease, you thought you had it, uh, <laughs> you know, all the symptoms. As, as I heard well, over the last year, a lot of growth uh, opened my eyes up. Uh, I think it did to a lot of people with Black Lives Matter and, you know, now the, the George Floyd trial, uh, we became very, very aware of some of the issues that we took for granted or didn't even know existed. Certainly, you know, it, it's come up with, especially uh, with this month and exploring the role, you know, the, the gender gaps and discrimination and sexual harassment with women. Uh, but just this morning, uh, again, it's just, these things just pop up. There was a, an article that I got and it talked about the questions women get asked more often than men in an interview. So even <laughs> to the interview and you go, no, we ask the same questions, but it's it's how do you ask them how often are they asked how you know and how do how does the interviewer receive them but you know what what are your greatest strengths i can't see the numbers here what are your greatest strengths 40 there's a gap, a huge gap between women being, women being asked that question what your greatest strength is and men only a third of men get asked that question Two thirds of women get asked that question. What is your greatest weakness? The same thing. Where do you see wow. yourself in five years? Uh, all, these were all that m- women got asked this question more often than men. Why should we hire you? What huh. do you want from this job? Describe a time when you failed. Uh, are you a team player? Every one of those questions is asked more often to of women, women than men. I mean, it's so, again, it sort of drives you crazy because you're going down this path and you go, there's a lot of work to do. So we we want to be able to. there
1: is. And by the way, there's a pretty simple solution for that. And that is to use software, (laughs) software that does the same thing. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, using the data that that we know, you know, I mean, basically being able to, um, you know, change. One is awareness, self-awareness. What do we need to do to change it? And to some degree, using the data that we collect uh, that we haven't done to kind of bring that to the forefront. So uh, we want to jump into that. Just before we do that, one thing. um, There's a poll I've been running. We've been talking about adaptability also. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about how do we adapt to this. Um, I I have a poll. What's your state of mind? It's very simple. One question should take you all of about five seconds to get it done. I appreciate you going up to bit.ly forward slash my state of mind. Uh, it's going to ask you, give you a heads up. Are you declining, coping, growing, or thriving? How are do, you doing?
1: And uh, on some subsequent show, we will definitely share our results with you yep. and tell you what we think it they mean.
2: Absolutely. For sure. Uh, I also want to uh, not forget to do this. We'll, we'll hear from them shortly, but I want to thank NGOMO uh, for being a sponsor of ours. I really appreciate that. And uh, I, I love their hashtag, be more. And yes. uh, we're, we're, help, we're, hoping, we're hoping that we're helping everybody be more. We're, we're certainly trying to, to do that as well. So uh, at this point, let's bring on uh, Kate. Dr. Kate uh, Richmond, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll continue the conversation. Kate, uh, welcome to Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Ira and Joyce, uh, for having me. If I could briefly uh, comment on on that study, uh, sure. I think uh,
2: that's why brought it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's let's get right into it. Um, there's actually really interesting research about asking women questions that that require them to talk about their strengths. Um, for some reason, both men and women uh, ha- experience a backlash when. Um, when women talk about things that they see as personally strong. So that question, tell me your strengths, is immediately a setup for a woman? Because when she advocates for herself, in general, people have a negative reaction to that. And in fact, when we coach women on interviews about what they can do to improve both their chance of landing a job and also increasing their salary that they'll receive, we tell Mm -hmm. them to talk about it in terms of a collective Things that they can do with a group or things they can do for their team. Wow. Because mm-hmm. that seems to result in higher salaries and more likely landing the job. And this research comes out of a social psychology lab at the University, uh, at Rutgers University, by a woman named Lori Redmond, who's been doing years of research on these small biases that show up in the workforce. So I highly recommend uh, looking at that because a solution seems to be just giving everyone the same question. But what we know is that um, there are these implicit biases that we hold. So even just having that idea that we could just automate everything might not actually work. It's a little more complicated.
2: Right. Well, wow. you know, there so many studies out there, Amazon and Google, uh, you know, that have tried that. And they, they recognize that they were just in as best as they, they tried as uh, they were embedding a lot of biases that, again, we just don't recognize are there until we well, see and- the data.
0: This kind of speaks to a a question that I think us in um, psychology are always wrestling with, is that we often think standardization the same is fair or will result in equity. But um, the more and more we lean into this, we realize, no, uh, the same might not actually result in equity. Uh, We probably need to be a little more layered in our
1: approach. Yeah, that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is a discussion because you you look at what technology does. I mean, you look, you look at the Amazons of the world uh, and they're personalizing our experience. Um, and you look at a lot of these other, uh, well, again, a lot of the, the e-commerce is that how did it know, even the Google search, how did it know I was thinking that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, really.
2: I diversity, <laughs> you know, it's like diversity and it finishes as a sentence for me. How does it know that? So in the one sense, Technology is helping personalize the experience, yet we're we're trying to standardize diversity and, and right. inclusion. We're trying to set rules for it, where the rest of the world is tending to moving toward a one-on-one. Um, you know that everybody sh- should be treated differently, but fairly, and fairly is not the same.
1: Right. So, Kate, what do you think are the major barriers that keep women from growth and equal opportunity?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there are barriers at the structural level, Um, you know, uh, rules and policies that get made that help men um, Hmm. in ways that don't help women. One that I can immediately think of is, you know, the requirement that women um, do a lot of the unpaid caregiving responsibilities, both at home, but also at work. You know, we know that um, even the highest folks at CEO and uh, the CEOs at Amazon and Google talk about being responsible for attending to the climate of their teams, and that tends to fall on women, remembering birthdays, remembering celebrating retirements. Um, Those are uh, activities that are needed in our companies to create healthy teams, but they are not activities that are, one, paid or are going to be the things that get you the added promotion. So it's not just that women are taking care of small children or older adults at home, but they're also doing that kind of work in, in the, the businesses. And so one way that we could address the structural inequity there is to reward those behaviors, is seeing them as vital to our company's success, which of course they are. Um, and I think there are normative ways in which women uh, are held back. Uh, things like microaggressions, things like expectations that women act like or perform like the um, men that came before them. Our work environments were created with the concept that it would be a white male, male. Female, yeah. straight man who had a partner at home that was supporting most of his work. That model no longer exists. Um, yet we have not changed our, our policies or our work days to accommodate that. Now of course the pandemic has thrown a wrench into this. It might accelerate uh work flexibility in ways that could help women. But right now what we see is that women are leaving the workforce because childcare and adult care has disproportionately fallen in, on their backs. And right. until we take responsibility for that, the gender equity issues are not going to change.
1: Interestingly that's just what I wrote about this week.
2: We're getting a little bit of an echo from you there, Tracy. Uh, yeah so you know part of that not sure uh, why. you know is is also it it's it's the collateral it, it, it's kind of the down it's the collateral damage because with within the pandemic um just from a common sense uh, uh point of view is that women are pay, you know many women are paid less mm-hmm. their roles were less even if they're doing the same job but be, mm-hmm. beyond that just because of the roles that they had and therefore, just from a practical matter, whose job do you give up? You know, who should stay home with the kids? Who should take off work? Uh, so a lot of these things that are ingrained in the system that we're trying to close have a lot of collateral damage, uh, which, which I thought was, was was interesting. You brought up a couple terms, and, and there's so many things I want to cover in the next couple of minutes, talk about in the really? next couple of minutes. One was, I mean, we're in this state, and, and we talk about this all the time. I'm sort of, I live in these. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the conversation about uh, adaptability and change mm-hmm. and keeping up. But it was interesting. And I think this was in the chapter in the book. You talk about that trans- transformational leaders are uh, transformation in cultures, transformational leaders. We taught this in, in the course last mm-hmm. semester. Um, wa- is better suited or, or women are better mm-hmm. at the transformation than the men.
0: Yeah, we know this. And I, I think it's also primarily related to how girls and women are socialized. Um, I don't think it's inherent. Like, I don't think it's in women's biology that they just come to be more uh, tran- transformational. I, I think it's because women are socialized to attend to the um, interpersonal skills and and intrapersonal skills that make people better leaders. Things like empathy, compassion, transparency, um, authenticity. These are things that women are generally rewarded uh, in doing. But um, it's interesting in corporations, there seems to be a real push for competition for um, looking at how people can be evaluated or sized up in order to get ahead. And um, that is a very individualistic way of understanding success. And um, if you look at the bottom line, if you're all working towards the same goal, a collaborative approach kind of makes more sense. But I don't think every single person who is working in a corporation is looking solely at an end goal for the corporation. They're thinking about their own individual success. And um, because of that, you end up seeing folks really rewarded for individualized approaches rather than a collective. And, and, And this is where the structural questions come into play. Do you reward teamwork? Do you reward a collective success or do you reward individuals? Even in the evaluations and assessments we give employees, it is always at the individual level, not at the collective. And those types of changes could really shift companies' climates and cultures.
2: Yeah, th- this goes back to one of the things that, that, you, that you mentioned, and then I started to transpose it on everything else. Uh, when I heard you on the panel, you, there, there was a whole discussion just about masculinity. And again, beyond just what gender are you? Uh, and you mentioned that already, that, you know, when, when a lot of the rules, wages, um, organizations, hierarchies, uh, rewards and recognition were established within organizations, it re- really was done from men's world. I mean, they, some of them were done in, in the early 1900s, um, industrial world. And, uh, you know, certainly, at that time, there was only 30%, 32% of the women were actually in the workplace, uh now it's in the 60% I mean, still less but mm-hmm. um but also the participation r- rate for men has been declining for 50 years uh mm-hmm. in the workplace and women's has gone up uh women are now the better educated uh,
1: until <laughs> recently until yeah. recently that's the, that's the problem yeah recently right. during the pandemic recession it went down
2: right so, so yeah. during that and and again will it be reversed um you know, more women or you know, I, when I went to when I went to dental school, there were uh, 160 people in the class, one one black, one one person of color, uh, 12 women. Right. Uh, within 10 years, it was 50, 50 women. And that was a problem because a lot of the women were married to other professionals and they weren't working full time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there, there was this whole changeover of that mix. So there, there's certainly a lot of dynamics. Um, but one of the things that you had mentioned and I, I highlighted it on, on one of the things that you sent me was that from the masculinity point mask, the masculine status is hard to earn and easy to lose. But when we talk about aggression, aggression is a manhood restoring activity. Mm-hmm. So you get back to that competitiveness to show the machoism within an organization, which is sort of ingrained in that. But for men of color for people of color aggression is bad yeah, it's not perceived the same way right and, and then you transfer you, you put that on the women it, it, it is beyond that can can you talk a little bit about that
0: <laughs> right so um when i started my phd program i had planned to do research primarily on women i was very interested in the psychology of women And um, in in my first week of my PhD program, I met uh, a man who told me that if I really wanted to understand the stressors and strains that women experience, that I had to also understand how masculinity operates in all of our lives. And it was probably one of the smartest pieces of advice because from there, I spent most of my PhD program studying the psychology of men and masculinities. And what I've learned is that all of us, all of us are asked to ascribe to traditional masculine norms. Women are, uh, trans folks are, men are, it doesn't matter. You know, This is the ideal we hold up in our country as the model of success. Someone who is aggressive, someone who um, can get to the top with um, sheer merit, not needing to depend on anyone. This is what we hold up as the ideal Now, all men experience this stress and, you know, I learned to develop a a lot of empathy for men after I looked at the data and and saw the ways in which socialization of boys and then later as men um, really does create a lot of mental health consequences and physical consequences. We know men die earlier than women. When men go to the doctors, they're less likely to ask questions. They're less, they stay in doctor's offices shorter than women do. And this is all wrapped up in this idea that you shouldn't rely on someone, that the the sign of dependency is a sign of weakness, which is all about men and masculinity. Hmm. So Mm -hmm. what we do know, though, is that not all men experience the socialization the same. So things that get rewarded in white men, for example, are exactly the things that get punished in black men. So we can talk about um, for example, you know, take the, the president, Donald Trump, who makes this very bold claim about um, the videos of sexually sexually harassing women. And it gets put off as locker room talk. Right. That this is just boys being boys. And, and no one's even denying that he said it. It's just that they're saying no big deal. And he becomes the president of the United States. You take a black man doing the same kind of behavior, and this historically has been the rationale for public lynchings. So things that white men are encouraged and rewarded for doing, black men cannot do. And um, another example, if you wanna put it in the the work world, you know, white men are encouraged to network. Your network is your greatest asset. The more you network, the more you're gonna get ahead. I just read research that came out of the Philadelphia Inquirer that they are teaching Boys of color to do network avoidance, because wow. when boys of color are seen together, particularly by police, they're seen as a threat. And so, your chance of increasing attention from a judicial standpoint is actually higher if you're with other boys of color. Now, that is such a clear example of how um, masculinity operates differently for white boys and men than it does for boys and men of color, and. Um, this is why when we think about the advice we give in the workforce or in the world in general, we have to account for those very clear variations in terms of how we reward certain behaviors and um, activities in some people and not in others.
2: You know, I, your, your new book, um, well, it's a textbook, but it's a psychology of women and gender. And you sent me one of the chapters, which I thank you for. Just in the chapter, I mean, in one chapter, you went down the list um, and you talked about the pay gap the motherhood wage penalty, gender discrimination. I want to get to these, I'll I'll have you explain these. We know what the glass ceiling is, but sticky floors and glass escalators and the glass cliff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you went on, you mentioned networking, you talk about unpaid work, 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 work workplace harassment or sexual harassment, balancing work and family, caregiving, parental leave, childcare. I mean, you went down through these topics and like every one of them is, when, when we talk about trying to fix the workplace and being fair, It's like, there's a ton of work to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's the question that I grapple with every day. Like, what would motivate a man, a CEO, who is extraordinarily successful to shift the paradigm? And this is a question we struggle with because some men are more open to it than others. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we know is that men who really endorse these traditional ideas of masculinity, this, uh, you know, vision of the individual succeeding at all costs, these are the type of men that when you ask them to shift, their thinking around masculinity they see it as a threat and rather than actually um you know shifting they double down and you did say ira which is true that um it does appear when they double down it usually results in some type of aggressive or assertive action norm particularly towards women and other men of color and also uh gay and bisexual men as well so you know we have to be they call it you know precarious masculinity this idea that masculinity, because it's hard to gain and easy to lose, men who are, you know, somewhat invested in masculine norms are going to be the hardest to uh, shift in. And those men tend to be our, you know, state representatives, they tend to be our leaders, they tend to own, uh, you know, the the wealth in our country. So it is a, a challenge that we're facing, which is how do we get men to think differently about masculinity.
2: We just to, we want to make sure we this. can you define, I mean, again, we, we pretty much know what glass ceiling is. Sticky floor is glass escalators in the glass cliffs. Yes, please. I, define I've heard for or, us. I, until I read your, your chapter, I had not heard those.
0: Yeah, these are, you know, terms used in the psychology of women um, quite often. So I encourage folks to keep reading about it. Uh, The sticky floor is the tendency for women and people of color to get stuck in middle management. So they Mm -hmm. never get ahead. So unlike the glass ceiling, which is at the very top, this is the tendency for your middle management to have uh, large numbers of women and people of color. Um, The glass escalator is the phenomenon when a man goes into a female-dominated profession, whether that's education, nursing, healthcare, um, you know, any kind of hospitality, they tend to get promoted faster and quicker than women. This is why your principals, your superintendents of schools tend to be men and your teachers tend to be women. The glass cliff is one of my personal favorites because it's it's so true. It's when women do get promoted into leadership positions at the highest level, they tend to get promoted when the company is failing. So you can think of Yahoo, for example, And other
1: companies
0: (laughs) who, you know, were celebrated because they finally hire a woman, but um, the the hiring is contingent upon cleaning up a big mess. So of course that sets women up because they're not moving into an already successful company or organization; they are taking on the task of, you know, averting crisis.
1: Right, or sadly blaming her for not being able to turn around. Turn very true, which is. I think what happened at Yahoo. So that's really interesting. So tell us about the glass cliff. That's the only one you haven't mentioned.
0: Oh, the glass cliff is that example is that when women get promoted at the highest,
1: they, Oh, that was it. Oh, okay. Right. So what advice Kate would you give to HR professionals who want to help their women leaders thrive?
0: Yeah, I mean, my first advice is include men in the conversation. And uh, Mm. because I think, you know, it falls on the shoulders of women a lot. And I I, uh, agree with Ira's comment at the beginning that self-awareness is a big piece of this. I don't think that I don't believe that all men want to oppress women. I fundamentally disagree with that. But I often believe that men don't see the way in which the systems are benefiting them. So I think um, allying with men is critical, that women's issues shouldn't just fall on the back of women, that men are really in a position to shift the climate and could help women and and white folks could help people of color. I mean, this should not only fall on their their laps to fix Um, to advise women. I think a big piece of it is to help women understand systems and to navigate them better. I think I, as a college professor, I see a big part of my job is to teach what in college, in college, we call a hidden curriculum. But in the work environment, I think they need those kind of pieces too. And um, some of those things are difficult to talk about. Sexual harassment is difficult to talk about. Uh, how, how do you help young women coming in understand how to navigate sexual harassment, which will happen to them? Like we cannot ignore this is happening. So, how do we help them navigate that? And there are things that um, psychologists have advised to help women um, lessen it. I, I don't think they can ever make it go away, but perhaps lessen the brunt of it. And even little tips like when you do an interview, um, talk about the collective instead of your individual need. I mean, it sounds ridiculous that we have to give women that advice, but it will be
1: wow, a really good one, actually.
2: And hopefully, uh, as the only man here, <laughs> so, uh, I, again, there's there so many things that I just didn't, I, I didn't recognize the scope or the intensity or the depth, uh, of, uh, again, of the role of masculinity. A lot of these things is, hey, just legislate the difference. Let's close the pay gap. But it's so much different <laughs> from that. Even yeah. if, you know, is, is would the expectation, with the bar for performance be that much higher if when women get equal pay you know, are they, are they evaluated differently? And we are just barely scratching the surface here, Kate. Uh, I wanna right. be able- And
0: if I could just add this one other piece, which I forgot to mention, but uh, just to put on your um, listeners radar, one way in which I see men trying to relate to women is to do it within the context of their family. So they think of their wives or their children or their mothers. And uh, I think that's not a helpful framework Because these are your colleagues, not your family. And I think when you go into that framework, um, it gets paternalistic fast. So that's the other piece of advice that I can offer, men.
2: Yeah, thanks. How can people get a hold of you, Kate? What's the best way?
0: Sure. I mean, the best way is by email. Um, I teach at Muhlenberg College. Uh, Would it be helpful to put it?
2: We'll have that in show notes. Uh, we'll, We'll make sure that we put that in if that's Okay.
0: Absolutely. I'm happy to talk to anyone about these issues or concerns and point people to the right research.
2: And if you're interested in the book, uh, I I think I saw it up on Amazon, but I'm sure you can get it in any college bookstore, uh, The Psychology of Women and Gender. And it was recognized It got a couple of awards, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we received
0: the Distinguished Publication Award from the Association of Women in Psychology, which felt
2: fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much, Kate. I, I know you got a crazy, busy schedule. Appreciate you being here. Hopefully, uh, we can help people be more. <laughs> so, uh, and get this together. Yeah,
0: Thanks, thank you Kate. so much for inviting me. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Kate. Thank you
2: very much. Stay safe. Have a good day. You too. Again, we uh, we keep bringing these topics up. We barely scratch the surface, but robust in a in a completely different way of looking at, uh, um, not different way, a more in depth way, a more comprehensive way of looking at. Uh, diversity and inclusion from a broad sense, and especially uh, w- with women. So um, we are going to take a short break, as we always do at this point. Uh, you're going to hear from our sponsors, Ingomo and Success Performance Solution. And then we will be right back uh, with our next guest. Uh, and we'll be talking about the uh, profitable, growth, growth, profitable growth strategies and seven proven best practices from German companies.
1: Yes, we'll be seeing Thomas Michael Hogg.
2: Thank you. Imagine growing great employees and advancing
0: emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ngomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development, to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one coaching for whatever topic they need or
1: want to work on, anytime, anywhere. Learn more at ngomu.com today. For many people, the bridge to the new normal is too far, too
2: difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life, filled with fear and despair, but wait. Why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating? Opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal, is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge. Hey, welcome back everyone to the geeks, geezers and Googleization show. Thank you for being part of Googleization nation. Uh, If you're not subscribed to our newsletter yet, please do that. Go to GoogleizationNation.com. You get weekly updates uh, about who, about the show, Podcast, uh, webinars. Uh, speaking of the webinar, uh, you just heard about adaptability. The webinar replay is still available. So if you go to uh, successperformance solutions.com, right at the top, there's a button uh, and you can watch the replay. Fantastic uh, conversation last week uh, that we had with uh, Heidi, Heidi Spur- Spurge from Cornerstone on Demand, uh, Ross Thorley, and uh, Mary Faulkner uh, from IAHR. Uh, Again, getting a tremendous amount of feedback, some of the responses uh, have just been very rewarding and uh, I I highly encourage you to go up and read that. But right now uh, we're gonna follow up uh, with uh, Thomas Michael Hogue. uh, And uh, he wrote a new book, Profitable Growth Strategies and what intrigued me, got uh, a a release or I read something about it, talked about, and, and this fits into our conversation here, trying to accommodate not only women, but accommodate um, the multiple generations and flexible workplace. He, he said that the four-day work week won't solve America's burnout epidemic, uh, and we're certainly experiencing that. And uh, he he brings some powerful lessons of what what he's learned uh, from working with German companies of why just saying we're going go to go a four-day work week and maybe even going to the next step, and we'll have a, we'll talk about that. Uh, how do we um you know what's the new work work week look like uh as we go to remote work
1: in terms of hours days but you know it's going to be even more complicated because of covid because we're going to have a hybrid workplace right
2: oh absolutely It, it and we talk about management um what you know Again, managers struggled with managing people when they showed up for work. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what happens when you are now remote or some are remote? So hopefully uh, we can, Roxy, if you can bring on, there he is, Thomas. Thomas. Hey, Joyce, Ira,
3: yeah. it's so nice to be with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Are you in Mexico? Are, are, is that where you're?
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, here in Monterey, Mexico, near quite near to the border to Texas. They're, i Very love
2: nice. Them, so, so we're we're international today. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, I appreciate you being here. It's the first time we've met. Uh, you you mentioned, as I said, the the one thing that in that caught my attention um, when I received the the email uh, was again this thing about the four day work week and as as uh, businesses are organizations are trying to revise. What does work look like? Whether they're going remote, whether it's partially, whether it's hybrid, distributed work. I mean, you know, the, but we've been talking about the four-day work week for for years, and um, it's not the it's not the solution for everybody.
3: Uh, no, it's not, and I guess it's not only we should not only talk about the four days. I mean, in Germany, the the unions uh, they they are historically they are very strong. And these strong uh, uh, unions, they pushed the, the, the four days week uh, 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 into the different companies, and, and especially in the automotive industry. But it, but 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 also, it was of the interest somehow of, of some of the automotive companies uh, 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 because it's also um, in kind of benefiting them. But I guess we should not only talk about the four hours. We, it, it's it's it, it goes deeper. When I talk, it goes deeper. I mean. Of course, uh, it's about your work-life balance. It's about uh, what's the HR strategy of, of a company. Uh, and you have to see this really much more holistic just than one topic. And then we, we talk about, okay, we talk about uh, uh, home office. We talk about flexible hours, flex time. We talk about uh, uh, salary. But at the end of the day, as a company, you have to... to to look deeper inside and see, okay, how can you develop your people? How can you have a purposeful company where you have kind of this work work life balance?
2: So, so you identified seven best practice, uh, best practices. Um, I'm not sure if we can get through all seven um, but why don't we start with the most important ones? And I'd also be interested uh, hopefully we'll have a minute or two with this, or maybe you'll cover this is what we were just talking about with Kate. with, you know, when I think of German culture, I'm thinking that it's more of a masculine culture and are some of the issues we're dealing with now with diversity and inclusion, um, you know, are, are they ahead or is that something they have to work on and, and uh, you know, as well, so. Uh,
3: uh, I mean, talking about a little bit about first, uh, the first, the seven steps, when we talk about Germany, we talk about quality and uh, we talk about the, the quality brands. We know the the, the automakers, and uh, I work for Adidas in Germany, and, 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 and we're really looking uh, uh, and striving for quality and innovation all the time. Uh, your second question is, Ira, is, is so, so uh, interesting, because uh, uh, from my point of view, uh, uh, when you have a chancellor like Angela Merkel uh, leading our country, uh, for me, it's kind of normal to have a, a kind of a, a female a boss <laughs> and a woman. So uh, uh, I guess... This topic, or it's, it's. I mean, perhaps also a little bit uh, personal point of view, but uh, uh, Angela Merkel and, and many female leaders have done a great job. Uh, have, have done a, a great job, especially during the pandemic. Uh, uh, Merkel, she, she did not underestimate the, the the pandemic at the beginning, and and uh, she will leave office in some months after 16 years, and. Uh, we, we, we do not know uh, uh, what, what's what's going to happen because, of course, we will miss her and, 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 and the world will miss her because she, she gives a great balance. So I guess in Germany, uh, you, you kind of find, obviously, uh, uh, a lot of problems when we talk about boards, when we talk in, in the boards of directors. There are uh, also, my personal opinion, there are too many men's uh, and, and we need much more women there, much more uh, uh, ideas and support. But at the end of the day, I guess we should not talk as much about gender. It's for me talking about good uh, good uh, managers and bad managers. And there are good women managers uh, as Angela Merkel, and also the, uh, there are bad ones uh, uh, as of, of course there. Uh, uh, Ira, you and me <laughs> also can find a lot of uh, uh, good right. and bad man examples
2: absolutely so so what are some of the practices um you know what what would you say are the top ones uh that you would suggest that that people adopt um pretty quickly <laughs> uh,
3: the, the the first the first practice and the most important thing is about focus uh, i describe a little bit the 80 the 20 rule or 80 uh, 20 principle uh, that the Pareto principle there uh, um, this this principle says that it's a natural law also comes true for business that uh, uh, you have key employees, you have key clients, you, you, you have uh, uh, also a key prospects and key products. And uh, uh, the mathematics say and the law says, okay, 20% of your key employees, uh, products, uh, uh, and also prospects uh, 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 makes 80% of the sales and 80% of the profits. So this, this is where you have to analyze your company and you have to, to get together with with your top management team uh, 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 and just to analyze, okay, what is the 80-20 in my company when it comes to customers, when it comes to market, when it comes to also to employees uh, uh, and also marketing strategies. I mean, which channels we have to uh, uh, focus on. So uh, this, I guess, is the first and, and also the, the most holistic recommendation I do have uh, really to focus because nowadays managers and and, and a lot of time company owners, uh, uh, I mean, they're not focusing enough uh, uh, on on, on getting, for example, like the German companies into a niche. In Germany, there are more than 1,500 niche companies, niche players, which are leading their market. There's no other country in the world who has more market leaders than Germany. So uh, uh, this is, I guess where it comes also, okay, focus on one product or on one service and try to be the best with the best quality, with innovation, being relevant uh, for your customers. And and this is kind of the secret as it's really simple, but it's the secret.
1: So your secret then, Thomas, is focus, focus, focus. Yes. Hmm. So how is the U.S. falling behind in terms of employee
3: well-being? Do you think it is? uh i mean uh, when we talk about vacations uh uh, uh in germany uh, i mean you have by law uh 20 to 25 days yeah uh, paid days uh, uh vacations now uh, talking a, uh, again a, a little bit about the power of the unions uh, historically and uh, there are a lot of more benefits uh, for the workforce uh, when we talk about paid vacations when we talk about social uh, benefits when we talk about insurance uh, uh, so uh, I guess uh, there, uh, what I have seen, uh, the American companies uh, have to uh, have to adapt uh, and, and have to change uh, uh, because uh, nowadays uh, it's it's it. Was, I mean, hiring and also attracting talent gets more and more com- competitive. competitive, and enough. so the companies kind of are forced to adapt new models.
1: For sure. So, do you think it actually works? for companies in the U.S. to give unlimited time off? That's a, a whole different area. But many of our, uh, what we think of as our most forward companies are giving unlimited time off.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, I guess, I mean, you have to have a, a sound balance, I guess, also, I mean, to, to to seeing also, I mean, the interest of the companies and and the interest, uh, uh, of the employees but also uh, it, it it goes further i mean we, we we have to focus not only on profits but also on our employees but also uh, on our stakeholders and and nowadays uh, the, the the i mean all the the, the green and the circular economy trends uh, it gets also uh, really, really important so it gets kind of much more sophisticated to design a business model uh, and and designing a business model that includes employees, planet, uh, uh, and also profits. So, so, so I guess uh, there, when we talk about business strategy, uh, it gets more uh, holistic. Great.
2: Yeah. I, I'm curious. Are, are you familiar with um, the anti-fragile, the fragile, the fragile anti-fragility anti-frag- model at all? From no, seem to leave um, because w- when you're talking about quality, it, it talks about. Sc- Six Sigma, lean, you know, again, squeezing out inefficiencies, mistakes, uh, but a lot of companies and especially, and that's what, when I, that was my first impression when I hear about German companies that they thrive and again, known for high quality, but do they become fragile? You know, do do they take out, they they squeezed out Mm -hmm. all the inefficiencies, but then a pandemic hits, um, you know, how resilient, how do they rebound? How do they, how do they survive?
3: I mean I guess uh, and and this don't, that does not only come come true for, for example when I work for Adidas also uh, the important is that the, are, are the, the small and medium sized businesses uh, uh, obviously that the big companies are are, are somehow uh, squeezing out and looking for uh, productivity but uh, the, the most important companies in every country uh, and the most right. important segment uh, is the small and medium sized segment and because there I guess and, and there's growth, and, 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 and actually, uh, this, uh, the, the small and medium-sized uh, segment is the backbone of the German economy. And, and, and this backbone also in the U.S. Common, uh, economy, uh, we, we, we have to we have really to, to, to look for that not only the big companies change and, and, and giving more uh, benefits to the workforce, more flexibility, uh, but especially the the smaller, medium-sized businesses. So, so I mean, it's a it, it's a it's a paradigm shift. It, it, it it's a shift really not only for the big and the large companies, but more importantly, what I think for the for the smaller, medium-sized businesses. So,
2: right. So Thomas, we're 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 run we're getting close to the end here. We're running out of time. Want to make sure that we can. Uh, let people know how to get the book. And I think, uh, Joyce, we should probably change the name of the show to Just Scratching the Surface. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we do that. Uh, Thomas, uh, your new book is Profitable Growth Strategies. Uh, where can people get a hold of it?
3: You can find me on the homepage, com and, and, and on LinkedIn, Thomas Michael Hawk. And, and, and uh, really great to connect with you and your audience.
1: And, Thomas, if we want to buy the book... Is yeah, it available on your website?
3: Yeah, it's in Amazon. Uh, uh, we have the audio book also in, in Audible. So, so you, you, you can find the book and hopefully I get some feedback.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Uh, well, you'll definitely get some feedback, at least from, uh, from, from me. I'll, I'll make sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure some of our listeners will go up. And uh, I, I have the book and it's a, it's a it's an easy, relatively easy read. So I, I encourage everybody to go get it. Thank you very much for taking so much time, for taking time uh to come on the show. I uh, appreciate it and good luck.
1: Thank Thanks. Thanks, nice nice. Bye. Bye bye.
2: I'm serious. I think we should do just scratching the surface. Which is <laughs> <laughs> uh, we uh we, we again some great topics and uh it, it's interesting. Uh, I I didn't intentionally try to align these these two, but uh they, they overlap. I mean all our speakers have have um complemented uh the others quite well um, just a reminder, um, especially for the first segment, uh, Women Re-Entering the Workforce Vital for the Recovery. There, Thank you. Right now. Thank uh, you Herman Trend much. Alert. Um, subscribe. Be, uh, you'll get it in your mailbox, uh, I assume, to, to read today's if you want it right away. You'll, you'll go up to the website. Um, and also make sure you subscribe to GoogleizationNation.com uh appreciate that uh that you'll get updates about the podcast this week's last week's uh other events uh like the webinar uh that were coming up yeah actually and another one's
1: coming up right
2: april 3rd april 13th april 13th uh, you'll you, um again you subscribe you'll get information about that uh we're going to uh be talking about the adaptability quotient aqai uh you get an opportunity that one is paid but you get a reduced uh, fee for it. And uh, basically, we'll be talking about the results of that and uh, helping you plan what you should do to that, whether it's in your career or your business. Uh, final is uh, make sure you go up and take our the poll uh, that we talked about uh, state of mind. Are you declining, coping, growing, or thriving? thriving. Uh, appreciate that. One question takes you all of about five seconds uh, to be able to do that. Uh, so I appreciate you doing that. Uh, please be safe. Um, you know, numbers are are looking ugly again, starting to go up uh, and we're just at that brink. Uh, and but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll overcome that. And uh, so uh, we're not going back to normal, but hopefully uh, we'll be prepared for the next waves of normal uh, and uh, go from there. Any closing comments, Joyce?
1: Just that uh, I would like to reinforce what you said that we're not out of the woods yet, and that we all need to do whatever we can do to stay safe and that includes, if you're going out, wear a mask. If you're going to be in a, a place where with other people, please stay physically distant. and. We understand how frustrating it is at this point in time. However, we're almost there. So please let's not stumble now that we're almost there. Let's just stay the course. So thanks, Ira, for this great opportunity. And we we had some wonderful guests today.
2: We did. Uh, thank you, Kate Richmond, uh, from Muhlenberg College, uh, gender St- director of gender studies there. Uh, thank you, uh, Michael or Thomas Michael Hogg, uh, new auth- uh, author of the new book Profitable Growth Strategies. Thank you, Ingomo, In-Gomo. Uh, right. for allowing us to be on the air and Success Performance Solution. And until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. Bye, everyone.